Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rugby League Talks. I'm Keegs. I'm Jacob. And, well, the trials are done, first of all. There's literally two weeks until football starts. Well, less than two weeks now. Holy shit. It came around quick. Yeah, well, I think that the World Cup definitely definitely helped out with that one. Uh, we got to watch a bit of footy there. Then along came the preseason and... Um, in the weeks before preseason, I'm sure we've had plenty of time hoping that our favourite players signed for our teams while we were waiting for Tristan to get back. Uh, shout out to Jeremiah and I, of course. <laughs> shout out to Scott Drinkwater. There's some good news for a Cowboys fan. Uh, good news today if you're an Eels fan with Mitch Moss resigning. And Chooks. Um, and Chooks as well, who got Dominic Young. Uh, basically, the real losers in this are the Knights, I guess. I don't think the Tigers are. Uh, obviously, you don't want to get Moses, but I think if you're the Tigers and Mitch Moses has pulled your pants down a few years ago and basically tanked to get out of the contract and everything, uh, do you really want to bring him back? So Not really. They could have dodged a slight bullet there. Not as a player, but just in terms of how that looks for the club. Um <laughs> I agree 100%, but like you also look at this. You look at the teams who have now lost a huge chunk. Um, must say, suck shit nights. Imagine losing a player that you've developed for the last year and a half to only losing to a bigger club. <clears throat> Jake Clifford, <clears throat> Callum Ponga, <clears throat> Lachlan Miller. Just saying. Greg Margie. Oh, wait, no. Margie's still there. He, he, he early, stole early Margie. Margie. Yep. He, he had a great game. By the way, oh, I can't wait to talk about this. If only I could put him in my fantasy team, I will say that right now. If only. Why can't you? Um, a little a little fellow called Val Holmes and owning Nico Hines, Nathan Cleary, Dom, uh, Damien Cook, Trell, and Teddy. I've I've basically stacked my say, squad. I'd say put Trell away. I think he's a fantastic player. I don't know if he scores the way you want him to, though. Um, Whereas but... Marzu is going to be... Marzu can let in all the tries he wants. As long as he's not missing tackles or making errors, he's going to be an absolute beast because he's like a free 100 metres and like five tackle busts every game. I'm thinking of putting Tommy Turbo in my side. That's going to be bold. That's very bold, but I'm willing to take it. 500k. Oh, okay. So he's he's been priced down a fair bit. Oh, he's discounted. Oh, yeah. Well, a good player at a discounted price is always a good thing, isn't it? hundred percent. I've also got Adam Dewey, sorry. Just ask the Tigers. Um, oh, Adam Dewey. I can't wait to get into that later in the show. Well, I I don't, but let's get into it now, actually. <laughs> I know. Are we going to talk about Raiders and Tigers first? Let's, so you can, let... you can vent early? Yep, yep, yep. I'm mad. I'm fucking mad. You're mad. <laughs> Tell us about it. Um, Tell us about how god-awful Seb Chris was. And uh, I'm not even god-awful, but just... I don't know, man. I feel like Seb Chris, so he's got his strengths, but I feel like when he's in open space or having to run around, I think that's where he gets exposed. Uh, There were some plays against the Storm in the finals last year where it just became so patently obvious that Seb Chris is one of the slower centers in the NRL. So moving him to a position where speed is vital, and if not speed, at the very least fitness, as we've learned from someone like Clint Gutherson, who's lost a lot of his speed but worked very hard to continue being an NRL fullback. Um, Seb Chris is just not really 
a guy to put in fullback. I, I mean, even though Rapana doesn't excite anyone, surely he's a better option than Seb Chris. I 100% agree. When so we, you know how we had that god awful year in like two years ago when we lost fullback after fullback. We lost CNK in round five against Penrith. Uh, yeah, Caleb Aiken, yeah. Aiken came in for a little bit then he got injured Bailey Simonson came in he got injured and then finally it was just down to Rapiner I thought Rapiner was really good for us um, at that point when Rapiner had came into the fullback jersey we weren't going to make finals I, I, yeah. um, so it was pretty much just a throw away a couple of rounds um, we got some wins I think we got a win over the Broncos and that was it maybe um but he gets the job done. He he isn't going to be your Tommy Turbo, your James Tedesco, but he gets the job done, and that's all you can really ask for with to, for okay. a player that's holding down a position. I you look at this club now, and I I just look at it. I'm go. We have no we have no depth there, 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 and there. Um. Now more than ever, ever am I happy that Jared Croker is coming back because it means Tomoko. And Croker can be our centers. And then Rapiner can be our one for the time being. Uh, we get Harley Smith Shields back. So it's going to be Kotrick and Shields. That's exciting. Oh, yeah. I, can't I like wait. Kotrick and Shields. Um, Both Because obviously runners. Shields had that. Yeah, Shields had that injury, but he was very, very quick, I think. Was he. He was a sprinter before he played rugby league, I think. I believe um, so, yeah. So it's fascinating to see how the injury works with his speed, but he's still very strong. He does seem to have bulked up. And obviously Kotrick, um, he is he is a pure mirage winger. I love him. The thing is, though, we couldn't complete a fucking set. <laughs> That's true. There, there definitely needed to be the, um, like the, the stereotypical half-back, you know, calm-down hand motions. And on top the... of that, our fucking forwards are horrendous. Oh, we, they were. I agree. We we pride ourselves last year and the year before saying we had probably one of the best forward packs in the comp. Young. Yep. CHN, uh, Adam Elliott, Papalihi, Tarpany. Fucking Tarpany. Dally M prop of the year. I don't think none of them showed up in this game. Hmm. It was, it was really disappointing. Um... I, d- I didn't think Hudson Young played anywhere near well by his standards either, especially because it's a bit more disappointing because he came off such a good end of the year as well. Like, he was poised. I guess this... he was poised to make a New South Wales debut this year. Yeah. Keep that. Yeah, <laughs> was absolutely in with a chance of doing it, but he's he's going to have a bit of ways to go, I guess, based on that trial performance. But so do a fair amount of other players, I think. I just can't get over it because I'm not gonna lie. We weren't we were unable to like do week one because of like other commitments, but it yeah. was the same thing against the doggies in week one. Our forward pack was horrendous in that game too, I thought. Mm. But um it's the same thing that's happened year after year. We start off okay, we go shit in the middle, we get back in the back end, but then that it's too late. Like, we're either at the bottom of the top eight or we're sitting just below the top eight. want to go back to a game this, uh, last season. Titans versus Canberra. Canberra home game, I believe. We were down 22-0 at halftime. We were getting fucked because we couldn't hold a ball, we couldn't complete a set, 
we couldn't get any creativity. And then come in second half, Ricky Ricky blows a load all over them and says, what are you doing? Hold a fucking ball. What do they do? They hold a ball and they actually win 24 to 22. Titans don't score. Defensively rise, this was shit. A shit outing. You you can definitely see how much Adam Elliott absence has left in this side. I thought he was tremendous. If it wasn't Tarpney getting player of the year last year, I thought it was Adam Elliott. I have higher apps than that bloke. It's just sad to see you improve so much over the year. You go through all of those injuries and then you're back at the bottom again after a preseason. You can blame that on a shortened preseason due to World Cup, uh, Maori versus Indigenous All-Stars, whatever. You can blame it on that, but not the entire team wasn't playing in those games. It was Jack Whiten, Papalihi, Tarpani, Rapana. I'm seeing... Oh, not seeing, okay. Maybe a couple of blokes I'm not remembering. But that doesn't explain your entire team. I don't know if they thought they could walk into this to this game thinking, oh, reversing the wooden spooners from last year. We can do... We can win. If that's the mentality they haven't, and you, you're setting that low of a standard to your team, your opposition, then don't show up, in my opinion. Like, you have to go in there thinking you have to fight to win. You, you, you think Melbourne Storm, like Cam Smith, Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk, those, those three blokes went into every game thinking, yeah, we can win this, but be arrogant about it? Fuck no. They ran in there and fought for every tooth and nail until they know they won. Until that final whistle sound. Same thing with Jonathan Thurston. He never let anyone get a hot head until they won. He gave it to people, sometimes, on the opposition. Oh, he... But... On that small note, not to interrupt too much, but remember when Peyton gave Tamalolo the call-out back in 2021, uh, one of the things that Tamalolo said was he hasn't been in sprints Thurston was around. Yeah. So that that's just a small testament to just how intense Thurston could get on his teammates. This, I'm shocked because I thought we were in a going to be in a good place. Obviously, there's a lot more competition. I thought we had a we were go, we were going to have to fight to get top eight. We were no, we're nowhere near where we were 2019 2020. But that ship has sailed. This is a new team. You don't have Georgie Williams. You don't have Aiden Caesar. You don't have CNK. No John Bateman. He's over still trying to get his fucking visa sorted for the team you just lost to. They didn't even play their best players. So half of them. They didn't have Appy. They, Charlie Staines shit on you. He actually shot on the Raiders, in my opinion. It was just disappointing. I'm, I'm so fucking mad. I don't know. And like, Adam Dewey. Like, Adam Dewey is good. Like, he's a Stan player. He and the fact that he had early errors, but we're still able to tear this team apart. Dumbfounds me. You couldn't capitalize on the five eight, the guy they're relying on, to just pound him into the earth and go. We are going to target you. We're not going to make you confident at all. Just entire game. We're going to make you second guess. That didn't happen. And. 
Yeah, also I want to quickly add on that he was their only focal point in attack, maybe other than Jake Simpkin in terms of spine players. Uh, Dane Laurie was not doing the majority of the playmaking. It sure as hell was not Brandon Wakeham. Um, it was. It, it all came down to Dewey. He was the one that was playing first receiver. He was steering the team around. He was, in essence, doing everything he could, uh, especially a lot of the kicking that came down to him as well with the most kick meters other than him being 28 meters off two kicks from Wakeham. So Dewey and... Probably even worse is they didn't even target him in defense. They ran at Wakeham the entire night. He made 17 tackles, whereas Dewey made 10. So if they're not going to be tiring him out, if they're not going to be applying heaps of pressure to him in defense, like force, there were times where he was crossing the advantage line and his guys weren't coming with him, which is an, an issue that the Tigers had on executing that one play. But the fact that he could get away with it and that he was still able to pass it afterwards shows that their line speed around the goal line just is... It was not... It's not what the Raiders pride themselves on for because you look at 2019 and that was one of the great all-around team efforts. You know, you look at who were the stars in that spine, maybe Hodgson and CNK, but even at their very best, they weren't really close to some of the guys that they beat in terms of pure talent because it was legitimately just a team effort. It was constant one percenters. It was winning out the grind and taking advantage of that with craftiness. And that's just, it's it's a bit different to the Raiders identity that they showed in the trials. And I know it's easy for us to say trials no matter, because like obviously they don't add or take away points on the board, but they can give a brief indication of where a team is going. You know, the Cowboys, they looked much better in their trials. They showed us some new tricks and they went on to get used for the rest of the year, for example. Um... So that basically says it, you know, uh, obviously the trials for Seagulls, they played well last year and unearthed cooler. They didn't go on to play well, but it gave a sign of what was coming up. And like you mentioned the mentality, like I'm not the only one here, but like we're experimenting, like we had Danny Levi at nine. Uh, we didn't. So obviously, you know, from round, round 10 onwards from last year, we had Zach Wolford start at nine. We kind of had him and Tom Starling as the Appy and um, Mitch Kenny effect, where Mitch and Zach would start, and then we'd bring on Starling and Appy. Obviously, I'm not comparing their skill set. Uh, Appy is a little better than Starling, and Starling is still developing. Um, but the way they just played, <laughs> it, like... If they come in round one, reverse... Who do we reverse round one? I think it's do- Doggies. If we come in with that, I, that's... Fuck, I, I don't... Oh, no, reverse, reverse Cowboys, sorry. So I could see the boys lose at lose in live in person. So that's going to be lovely to see. As long as Tom Deere puts on a masterclass. Um, but, yeah. They, don't, they didn't play Bateman or Appy. Tigers, they didn't have Luke Brooks. Well, I know it's Luke Brooks. He hasn't been the best uh, for the past couple of years. Uh, I still rate. I rate him more than Brandon Wakeham. Oh, hundred percent. Who else did they play? They played Papalihi, which is they had Simpkin as their starting nine. Uh, Simpkin's very much a crafty running type nine. He likes to read the markers and play off that as opposed to just going straight to his playmakers a lot of the time. Um, 
another thing that disappointed me is more is that Jake Simpkin, in terms of defensive first contact as a tackler, is not that amazing. No. And I'm really, really, really disappointed that Topane or just any of their middle forwards wasn't making him pay for that. Because the truth is, he got away with it. Um, Clemmer, I thought, did all right up the middle defensively, uh, as did the other middle forwards. Uh, Stefano Otuikamanu played quite well, I thought. But it's like you've got to make someone pay. You've got to force them to make, at the very least, two-on-one tackles and get those quick play the balls, especially when Starling comes on. But their forward pack was just so utterly dominated in terms of who was taking the ball forward. Um, I I kind of I want to get up play the ball speeds now uh, as soon as Google loads because this one is this is going to be fascinating. I actually thought Denny Levi did an all right job. I thought that he obviously he had some decent moments. So the kick chase for when he scored his try. Do I think he's the first choice nine? No, no. There's there's no need to, especially when you've already got Wolford, who you've spent a year developing. He was NRL quality. Uh, he didn't light the house on fire, but he was definitely NRL quality, and he's also cheaper. Just keep Levi's depth, because it's not as if he was, you know, best nine in the Super League or close, oh, especially because we've just seen what James Roby's able to do. So, it was a bit fascinating, but I guess he's okay with the depth. And I think that's, I think that's good that we've now locate. We're, we're kind of locating the areas where we need the depth. I think we need more depth in the fullback position. I wouldn't mind seeing... Absolutely. Like, fuck, we went through... Like I said before, we went through four fullbacks in 2021. Hmm. Savage is injured. So, I can't remember how long he's going to be out for. You know my stance on Savage. I don't like him. <laughs> um, yeah, he's... He's got some strengths to his game, but I think there's a fair bit of deficiency as well. It's more cons than pros. In yeah, my opinion. I think especially like he's not he's not really one of those guys that looms out the back and creates a massive problem for people trying to defend him. Like at the very least, right, like this is something that guys like Tessie New and Jermaine Azarko are at least getting right. They're just they're constantly out the back in a position where opposing two in defenders have to focus on whether they get the ball or not. So even if they don't touch the ball all game, at the very least, they're providing that threat that helps those attacking shapes work more efficiently. Um, And I don't think Savage really involves himself as much, and he definitely isn't that same ball-playing threat as well. Um, Our halves has to make him a threat. He can't make himself a threat. It's up to White and Fogarty to do it. They shouldn't always be put... That's more pressure on them. Savage needs to learn Mm. where to place himself in attacking situations. And Ricky should tell him that. And not just that, but I think Fogarty is more of an organizing half than a direct creator as well. So a lot of that does come back on Whiten. And I I think the less pressure on Whiten, Bill, um, he is a hard worker and he has been able to adapt to the different positions he's played throughout his career. Um, we see how he adapted to centre early on, but also how he takes that role up in Origin. Um, we saw he was initially a fullback, and he did really well there. Uh, then he moved to 5'8", and he had to take on more of a kicking role. And now I actually think that his torpedo bombs are up there. 
he definitely some of the better players in the comp. He definitely developed over the uh, not this season, last off season. He was when Georgie Williams left, he got found out a lot with his kicking. Yeah. Um, so to see him develop is really good. Um, he also spoke about he was like uh, I can't remember if it was him or someone else that he was around a lot of leaders in that World Cup squad that went over, that went over to England. Um, and he said, "Oh, I, I think I'm becoming more a leader myself." If that's true. What what happened on the weekend? Like step up, bro. Like you need to talk. I and I think it's White and Fogarty's job to. I couldn't put. Sorry, you go. I don't know how much of the weekend I could put on White, but I will say it was a bit disappointing to not see him take on the line more. Yeah. Uh, six runs for forty-five meters for a guy who's one of the best ball runners in the comp is a bit, eh. But what's even worse is that he had 45 run meters. Here are the run meters of his starting middles. 37, 51, 67. Uh, as for his second rowers, as for his second rowers, uh, you've got 55 and 47. That's... So... What the fuck? That's horrendous. Like, yeah, it's it's not... Like, they were not going forward. They were just, they just were not. No wonder and Whiten couldn't get as much, many run meters. He didn't get any space, the poor bloke. Exactly, exactly. And like, he's one of those guys where if you kind of wind him up and watch him go, he, he really can do it. Like, he is an incredibly strong body, a destructive runner. When he played in fullback, his strength was going out the back. But whenever space was created, he could really take you light off. Yeah, 100%. Um, talk about like let's let's move on. I think talk about moving the line forward. Um, doggies. What Carl Flanagan? Um, Very disappointing. Yeah, we could probably see we, Josh Reynolds get that seven spot. Maybe. I, I don't think Reynolds at seven is going to be the answer, but. I think Kyle Flanagan definitely has some things to work on in his game. He doesn't have to become mega creative, but at the very least, if he could just take on like a Chad Townsend type, just grubber it to the angles type thing, that'd be fine. Yeah. Because putting up, putting up those weirdly placed chip bombs or getting tackled on fifth is really not going to work. Uh, something else that disappointed me with the Bulldogs, despite Flanagan having some horrible fifth tackle options... Actually, just a small, small tangent. I don't actually dislike Cole Flanagan. He puts in so much effort when it comes to defending, bringing the energy to a team. But his fifth tackle options undo all of his hard work. 100%. Um, but on top of that, Burton really did not do much kicking on the fifth tackle options. And in that situation, it's like, what's doing? Because Burton, he kind of has... He's got his bomb and he's got his grubber. He does all right there, but for him to only have five kicks for sixty-nine meters is a bit like, come on. Yeah, I, I... You know. Like for, for comparison, uh, Hines had eight for two hundred and sixty-four. Now one shit. of those guys has a much bigger boot than the other, and it's not Hines. That's not to discredit his kicking game. Hines is one of the best kickers in the comp uh, in general play, but what's going on with Burton? Uh, once again, I think that he just really. Like, there were some times where he ran a bit more than he would last year, which I'm happy with. But seven runs for 42 metres for someone who was 
a devastating runner when they were at center for the Bulldogs, uh, for the Panthers. It's like, come on. Yeah. Um, so it's that, that said, seven meters per set. Seven meters yeah, per Yeah, less than, less than. Jesus. Because uh, it's, yeah, it's just like you've, you've got to do better than that, especially because he is going to be the main playmaker of the team. Yeah. But that's not the main thing I want to say about this. Um, I think it's time that we trade Hayes Perham out of our fantasy teams. Yep. Yep. That's... I don't think he's the starting one, guys. Uh, so 11 so, runs for 77 metres, which is a bit... Uh, so it's definitely Avril Willow. It's, it's got to be. Yeah. I mean, there's no tackle breaks, no line breaks, no line break assists. Um, he made one kick, which went nowhere, despite, you know, being a decent kicking option. I was surprised they didn't task him with any of the fifth tackle options, to be honest. He has three errors. He just... He did not have a good game. Um, Adokar was really quiet too, but he's he's also not a yardage winger. No. Um, this is something that I've spoken about last year. He is not a guy that takes that many hit-ups, or at least the quality of them is not at a high level. He can find his front for a quick play the ball, but he doesn't go too forward. Um, for the army kick-out, we saw him take that head injury. Uh, yeah. He was he was reasonably effective while he was on the field. Uh, him only making two tackles is kind of weird. How um, long did he play it, for before the HIA? I don't think it was too long. I, okay. I don't I don't remember the exact number, but I don't think it was too long. Um, because usually when a, when another player is running at your half, the second row is going to be in that is going to try and get over there first before that collision before the half has to tackle so only making two yeah, is a exactly. bit interesting yeah well I don't think they particularly the Sharks didn't really run at the halves that much um, Burton only making 12 tackles Lattigan only making 15 yeah right okay um, similar levels to the centres which shows that they probably really like to play wide uh, but it was also just a game that wasn't really contested in the end zones much because even Moylan only made nine, Hines only made 16. Yeah. Um, Nico Hines, once again, is just as good as Jesus himself, I guess, the guy he looks like. Nah, Heath Ledger. Uh, Matt Moylan's amazing too. Yeah, Heath Ledger, does anyone. Um, I love this one play where they were on the right side and Moylan drifted over not to play second receiver but to play first receiver. So, Moylan switched sides of the fields to play half-back with Hines wrapping out the back, who set up a try. Which was such a funny little play, and it, I just love the Sharks and how they use their two halves. They're just such a fascinating team to watch. They're so uh, dynamic. Yeah, they are. I think dynamic is the perfect word for it. They just come up with all kinds of new things and ways to attack with their two guys, and they both played fantastic. Um, full credit to Fitzgibbon. He's really unlocked Moylan. And Hines as well. I think they're perfect foils for each other with the way that the Sharks play. Um, Look, Nikora, just sorry, on... Line running brilliance. Yeah? Sorry, just on Fitzgibbon. You don't see a lot of teams re-sign their coach after one year. The man was yeah, signed no. to 2027. That is as good as one of the best second rowers in the game. Jeremiah Nanai. 
that's tremendous to see, to see how much faith the Sharks have in Fitzgibbon. And all credit to him, it, I think it was Ivan, um, Craig, or um, Toddy Payton for Coach of the Year last year. Craig did excellent. He brought in Nico, and he shaped Nico to be the best player in the comp last year, um, Dali M. Rise. So this, and as you said, he also, I think he revitalized um, the entire Shark side, uh, especially Moylan. Mm. Moylan had a great year. We spoke about him extensively in the podcast last year, uh, his eyes up footy brain. But just being able to use him to l- lay off the load on Hines is tremendous to see. And you, you mentioned that play with um, him playing first receiver and then Hines playing second. They're playing to their strengths. You don't really see... Like, Hines will run the ball very often, but he'll be that first receiver type of guy, get over the advantage line. Um, Brilliant kicker, as you said. He is going to be one of the greatest halves when he retires. He has... He keeps up his form, absolutely. He has not missed a step in nearly every game he's played for the Sharks. In that... In uh, All Stars game, he was tremendous. Him and Cody Walker carved up. I I wanted to talk about that. There are we have like this elite kind of list of halves that can win behind a beaten forward pack, right? Yeah. You know, usually, off the top of your head, you only go Joms or Thurston. Lockyer. Now that game, yeah, Lockyer too. Um, they were getting absolutely monstered that game. Every time that the Indigenous forwards were taking hit up, they were getting put on their backs and dragged backwards. Um, and with a star-studded Maori lineup, with like Fisher, Tarpany, um, oh, like those are the two main blokes, two genuine blokes who are heavy hitters. For Nico to come back and just kick and get at that advantage line was great to see. Yeah, he... Well, in essence, he helped kick them out of the game. Yeah. He, behind a completely broken forward pack and also having a few players that were making a fair bit of errors in the back line, like Selwyn Cobbo, um, he really put that team on his back. And that's... It's the kind of performance from a half where he wins behind a forward pack that is not putting him on the front foot, where he takes it, he kind of just grabs the game by the horns and puts them on the front foot himself with his kicking game. That's a very, very, very rare talent for any players to have. So it's full credit to Nico Hines, and Sharks fans watching should be incredibly excited for this year because they've kept a very similar team. They've got more time experience together, and the machine seems to be working perfectly based on their attacking shapes. Oh, 100%. Like, holy crap. There's also someone else I want to mention. That's Tiga Wilton. Two tries at second row. Uh, one line break, one li- uh, tackle break. Uh, 24 PCMs. How much How much did he run for? He ran for 80 metres, too. He was pretty good. Hmm. Um, another one. As Like, as he said, this... this Sharks side is relatively unchanged. That entire backline is unchanged from last season. That is yeah. the same backline they played with for the majority of last season. Nico, Hines, Moylan, uh, Nico Hines, Moylan, Uotalo, Talakai, Ramian, Katoa, Kennedy. 
Um, bloody hell, Talakai also had a good game. One try assist, uh, 130, 131 run meters, 56 uh, PCMs, and five tackle breaks with two line break assists. Which is a quiet game by his standards. But it, like, if that but, yeah. if that's a like regular center, you'd be impressed. But because of the exactly. high standard we've put, like people have put in Talakai ever since that Knights game, uh, or Knights and Manly, Manly. game, um, yeah, like people shat on him. I know um, at the back end of last season, like, oh, he's he's not as good as people thought he was, mate. That's because he was doing it quietly. It became the social. Yeah. It became the norm of Talakai. Get two hundred plus run meters, hundred PC, like fifty PCMs, six million tackle breaks. It was, he very much normalised his own lofty standards, but because they were slightly below that one game, people were just like, oh, he's overrated, he only had one good game. Yeah. But it's not even close. Like, he, that Sharks backline is probably best in the comp, I'd say, in terms of being able to push the team forward. And that's something else I want to praise Craig Fitzgibbon on. He brought that kind of play where the forwards are just responsible for moving it through the hands and making all the tackles, winning the rock, focusing on that and quick play the balls. And it's paid them back dividends in terms of allowing the backs to do their things. And it also works because with Nico's kicking game, they don't actually need forwards to be making a stupid amount of meters for the no. sake of field position. They just need them to win their tackles so they can set the defensive line. 100%. Um, I think this is going to be a good segue for someone who can kick someone out of a game and kind of carry a forward pack sometimes. Uh, we move over to Nathan Cleary. Hmm. Um, as you've got on... As we've kind of learned, when it comes to big moments, Cleary can be big, but he can't carry a team on his back, unlike we've mentioned with the John, the Lockyer, the Thurston. Um, do, does Cleary have the same skill as him, as them? The aforementioned three blokes? 100%. He, he, he will be a great halfback. He will be the halfback of... He will be the Jonathan Thurston of this generation. Yeah, well, the fact we're even having this conversation and comparing him to those players shows that we clearly think he's earned the right to be in that conversation based on his short career already, given how young he is. Um, he just can't replicate their... He's just, yeah, it's just not translating at the moments where for a great it really should. You know, it's kind of like a broken script writer. You know, for a player that is as technically skilled and as hardworking as Cleary is, um, and as great and as successful as he is, the the fairy tale would go that he wins that Origin at the very least. He ices it out. Yep. Um Even if even if against a great Queensland forward pack, he should be able to target the inexperience of Dearden at an Origin level. But obviously, to Dearden's credit, he held his own. Or at the very least, like, you, you've got Dane Gagai defending. We all know he what he's like this year. Punch Do on. Something. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Gagai, he was good for something that night, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, that, I'm telling you, I was at the stadium. The energy completely changed as soon as Gagai landed a couple on Burton. Good which, on. I think in the context of that game. Um, so, basically, what happened was Burton did, like, this sly little, Push. like, running into Kalen Ponga, yeah, but he, like, was like, oh, sorry, didn't see you there, kind of thing. He was being a grub. Uh, yeah, it was, but, like, being in, like, a really subtle way. 
Uh, and then Gagai was just saying, okay, we are going to sweat the small stuff. You're getting away with that. And the rest of it's history. Um, so, yeah. Welcome to Origin, motherfucker. Yeah, no, well, that's that's how it is. And, um, and that's what I absolutely loved. New South Wales was cocky as shit. They, they kicked our ass in game two. I will say that. They had me walking absolutely. out of the room and... At that point, like with 20 minutes ago, I left. I was just gobsmacked. Queensland taught them what Origin was about. Yep. They taught clearly. They taught Blue the they, ta- they taught that entire New South Wales side. Yep. You be cocky, we will kick your ass. It's the same thing yep. that happened um, in the 90, not in 90s when Fatty was coaching. Um, you know, Queensland were being cocky. I will say that. And we had the Queenslander call, and it came out of Blues Origin camp that the first person to call Queenslander in that game was going to get punched. And what happened? Some dickhead by the name of Billy Mo- Billy Moore yelled out Queenslander to stir New South Wales up, and a giant brawl erupted, and it was good to see. Um, obviously, that was before I was born, but looking at that, it was hilarious because Moore just gave it to him, and. They got on, and Queensland still won because the first team to play football after a fight wins Origin. Which yep. um, I think who got disallowed was it? Capewell got disallowed at that point, or someone got disallowed, and then that's when the punch on and the punch on was st- starting in back play, and you can just see Tommy Deard and look over and start sprinting to um, the <laughs> fight. Um, the break people up though, which is. Oh, yeah. Just a really nice nod to Tom Dearden and his seemingly calm demeanor, despite being a completely fierce competitor. Yeah. And this is when we go back to that origin where confidence can be shattered within a moment. It can destroy, like, little moments can destroy you. Energy and momentum, especially. The energy was all out of Suncorp for for about 10-15 minutes in that first half because New South Wales were getting a roll on and then when Tupo dropped it before half time that's when the energy re- reignited in Suncorp Queensland it played came off up Suncorp a little. Pardon? it came up a little but I'm telling you that as soon as that fight happened and it resulted as soon as the screen was showing things like Gagai having the uh, not Gagai, uh, Burton having the bruise on him it was moments like that because suddenly the Queensland line speed got much faster. Um, mm. Everyone started yelling Queensland just a little bit louder. And the game, we just started competing way more fiercer because our line speed dropped off for a little. Both teams did, but that gave Queensland, it was just like an extra hit of energy. Suncorp has the presence of being called the Cauldron, but it's the presence within Suncorp isn't, is the history, but also the crowd. It makes or breaks great players, by the way. 100%. And it broke Cleary. It broke Cleary. It, yeah. It, I, he Cleary didn't... I wouldn't go as far as saying broken, but it showed that he was human. Yeah. And being human, and that's that's something that Lockyer, Thurston, and Johns weren't when they had a football in They were cold-blooded. They were cold-blooded. And they were the name Immortals is there for a reason. You know, Joey, he's had those occasional bad games, same as Thurston, who's had his bad game, same as Lockyer, who's had his. 
but it's about when they have those moments where there's only one name in a team that really sticks out to you when you look back at the team lists. Um, well, not really sticking out to you, but more there's there was the clear guy who was pulling the strings and who brought the magic when it needed to be. Brought. You were afraid to play him. You, if you were an opposition forward, if you were anyone on the opposition, you were afraid to play those guys because yeah. they didn't care who you were. You could be Anthony Minicello. You could be, I don't know, Mal Meninga. I know Mal and Thurston didn't play together. Or even Willie Mason. Willie's come out and said he has the greatest, utmost respect for those three folks because they dominated him at certain parts of their, his career. He, they dominated um, Slater, Smith, Thurston, all dominated New South Wales together. Anyone... Yeah. The New South Wales and... Like, even club level, they were afraid to play Storm and Thurston. You were definitely afraid to play Thurston in 2015-16, around those little areas, um, because he was mm. just so red-hot. And especially with Michael Morgan on his side, he just got better and better. He got Morgan better too. You also had Jack Granville at the start of his career, uh, at, at the prime of his career, locked on Coote. Um, of course, he left, and then KP, and then KP got stolen by the Knights, and then you had... Ben Barber, but then Barber didn't even debut. <laughs> um, but no, clearly all the respect to him. He backs it up every time he makes a mistake. He, like, after that Origin game, he backed it up against Newcastle. He tore Newcastle apart with Luai, so great stuff to see. He he has my respect. Um, someone they missed, though, deeply was Kikau. And Appy, I thought. The service from Dummy Half was... Not abysmal, but it wasn't great. Um, you definitely missed him around the ruck, Appy. Uh, his pinpoint passing, the way he manipulated fenders, uh, the defenders. You missed Appy, but you also lift, let, um, missed Kickout on his fast, his lateral movement on the edge, and as well as his passing. Uh, kick pressure was not the same without Kickout. Um, we spoke about it on the podcast before. Kikau would just absolutely run at you if you were going to receive that ball from a kick. He, um, you could just hear the monstrous footsteps come at you and you would like just shaking your knees and fall down. Like you would want to fall down and catch the ball before Kikau knocked you on your ass. Yeah, no, he was definitely sorely missed uh, in that aspect and also thought their left edge just looked a bit clunkier. Like Luai, he still had a good game, I thought, in terms of he was a good player. He's... He's he's a gun player. He's I don't think he's not a top tier five eighth, but he's he's definitely a good one. You but also got to remember without... though, on like on this is defending them. They lost tail on May, and they had to play out of yep. position. Majority of that left edge, like um, Garner and um, fuck, I forgot his name now. Was Targo. Targo. They like they had to play out of position, so. Like, they were able to do... Like, if you look at it, don't just base Garner's performance off how he played that game. Remember, he was playing centre for most of that game, too. Which he is... has played centre before, though, and there are some things that you might be able to pick up from his play style. Yeah. It's just... when you, I 100% agree with you. There, um, where he has played centre... 
also in the heat of the game, you've got these um, plays that you need to know like when you go up against the opposition and you train all week to do that, but then someone gets injured in the middle of the game, which I like Taylor May, sad to see him miss the season because he's a young up-and-comer, obvious. Um, but you can... Who gets that ring spot now? I think Toho goes to left edge. He returns to left edge, and I think... They, I think even they said to Tuivana. Is that how you say his name? Tuva. He's Ruva. not um, poised to make his. De- uh, he he won't be the. He's not guaranteed to get the spot. As someone else, I think McLean is his name. It could be. He's a, he's a good player, Jesse McLean. I I think I saw him play in the trial against Eels and if it's who I'm thinking of fuck he's good yeah he is now there's definitely some great depth over at Penrith um I yeah I won't be surprised in the slightest if it is McLean who comes into play and he will do a pretty good job I think I don't blame him either Tariva is a great fullback but putting him at wing is a bit weird I think yeah um he's just he's just a bit awkward there because you know wingers they generally have a bit more bulk to them and they're they're not really ball players. Or at least they don't have that ball playing skill set that Tariva can pull out. They're more of just an outright big, strong type player. At least strong upper body. Yeah. Um. On the opposition, I think we should give some credit to them. They did win this game. James Roby. Holy hell. Um. Mastermind. Great player. Um. Who else in that game? With Roby, something I want to say is I do watch any St. Helens game that I can. Uh, they are my Super League team as loosely as I follow it there. So I knew about Wellsby and I knew about Roby. Um, but Roby, he is he is a veteran. He has oh, played see that. Holy hell. nearly, I think nearly over half a thousand, you know, professional rugby league games. He constantly communicates, tries to figure out what's happening. His service is good and crisp. He tackles well. He just... He does everything you want, and he, there's a reason he's considered the Cameron Smith of the um, Super League because he's like he has that skill set to be a real leader of a team. Thought Wellsby played amazing as well. He showed that he can stick it against the NRL competition, and it wasn't just a World Cup one-off. There's a reason he's one of the most promising players for St. Helens, and the reason they are Super League champions. He's 22, as well. So, to see that was just outstanding. Like, he is a... Holy hell, he impressed me. I didn't... I don't follow Super League. I watched it occasionally to see, like, um, Aiden Seizure or Georgie Williams. I'll even probably watch it for Jack Clifford now uh, when I can. To see that bloke play was outstanding. He stuck it to... Ev- like you said, he stuck it to everyone. Um, there will be a lot of clubs searching for him, I reckon, soon. I mean, if you want to come to Canberra, bro, we'd happily have you. Um, also, Conrad Hurrell, I thought he played all right, too. Um, he was an absolute beast. Oh, he is the talent. Like, like, having a centre like that is a stand- outstanding. He, he reminded me of um, the Manly Talakai game. Um Lewis Dodd. So the big thing about him was that he did his Achilles last season. Is that right? And then 
he missed the grand final and that was like these two games was his first game back great to see that holy hell wouldn't have thought that if he didn't mention it yeah Uh, it was a fantastic performance as well so even just standalone Earlier, taking into account, you know, what he went through to get into the position for that game. So, it was pretty fantastic. Also, Curtis Sirenen uh, at yeah, second row. Lots, lots of the former NRL players really showing up. A try assist, um, 183 run metres, 41 PCMs, three tackle breaks. Outstanding. Um. Played for the entire game too. 82 minutes of football, I must say. That's a lot of football. Um, Lomax, Johnny Lomax, I'll say. Um, He was definitely more the half that ran the ball a lot more. You can tell, you can definitely tell that. Um, Who was the majority? But like Lewis Dodd, 570 kick meters. From 17 kicks. Holy shit. Um, it was a great showing. Would you also say they got fanned out on the edges? Penrith? Like, they got incredibly fanned out? Not or... incredibly. Uh, just because it was players that weren't going to be in the general team. Mm-hmm. So... It's it's really just whatever. I I think they missed um Liam Martin and um Edwards. Edwards was a big miss. You can definitely see the impact and the influence he has on the team now because like he was a little project of Ivan for a long time. Like he people didn't think he was a good player, but Ivan stuck with him, and he he is so skillful and so good. Um, he played the 2021 Grand Final with a broken foot. Uh, he got Clive Churchill. He got Player of the Year for Penrith. He is outstanding now, and I kind of wish I would see how he played. This wasn't a full-strength Penrith squad. Because obviously, he had those missing blokes. Would have been interesting to see how they would have gone with those three blokes back. Uh, back. Also, a good learning curve with Mitch Kenny and Sonny Luke to see how they go. Um, do you think there's room for Mitch Kenny to improve? Like, do you think he needs to improve before, like, with his passing, his tackling? What, what do you think he needs to improve? Um, his service could be a little bit crisper, but I don't. I don't really know, to be honest. I guess just add in that ability to run and just read the markers, and that should be it. But even then, his job is just to be in there early and absorb pressure. You know, it's less about what Kenny does, because we know that Kenny, you can win a grand final with Kenny as your starting hooker. Yeah. We've seen this. Um, But it's more about what happens once Kenny goes off. Yeah, and that's where Appy excelled. And they definitely stuck it to him. Um, eels. They stuck it to eels when he came on. I I think you you can see this year in Origin. Robson starting, Appy off the bench. 
I think that's going to be a bit dangerous. Um, I can I, see it happening. Yeah. It definitely depends on how Cook goes as well. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Cook gets first jabs at that nine jersey um, because of, like, the loyalty he has. And he's won, like, a lot. He's, he's won Origin Series with that jumper at the nine. Um, just quickly, was there anything else you'd like to mention about this game? Um, something that St. Helens played well and deserved it, and I 100%. think that you, you can't go into a game thinking you'll win. The reason that for such a long time, well, what I wanted to speak about was that when it comes to Nathan Cleary, he has those times where he doesn't win the games that he should. Yeah. Um, or at least the games that can help and make him that player that has that folklore about him. And he just hasn't had enough of those moments. And this could have been one of them. He could have added the World Club Challenge to his list. But the fact that he's lost it, and especially because recently you've had Origin 3, it kind of brings into this narrative and makes it a bit weirder. You know, can Cleary stand up where he has to? Yeah. It's it's going to be a big talking point throughout his career, I think, until he proves it. He that will the poor bloke, he he's won two premierships, he's won an origin he's won multiple origin series, he's won a World Cup. But until he can prove he can act like first and John's Lockyer, that that comment will be around until that happens, unfortunately. He's a great player. I, I respect him a lot. Um but yeah. He he'll be above the Kronk tier of halfbacks, but he'll be below the Thurston Jobs. He's going to be in his yeah. own unique tier, where he's definitely one of the greats, but he's not one of the immortals. I think he'll be on par with Kronk, to be honest. I, I have, I, I love Kronk. I, can, I love I, him too, but I think, I mean, even Kronk himself says the clear is better. And I think, give it some time. Yeah. If okay. you, I mean, just think about if you put Nathan Cleary on a team with um, even just Kevin Monster at five eight. Mm. Like, get it, think about what you'd come away with the amount of premierships. Oh. So yeah, don't put that my don't put that thought in my head, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we have time for two more games, and then I will like post little segments about the other games that we've missed, just because like it's a lot of content and. We don't. We don't want to do it like a yeah, three-hour-long podcast. Um, yeah, hundred percent. What do you think? We're obviously going to talk about cows and Bronx, so that's one. What do you think? Dolphins and versus Titans or Roosters versus Manly? I do want to talk about Dolphins and oh, Titans. So do I. Um, I thought, holy shit, the Titans look good. Boyd and. Um, shit. <laughs> I'm having mental blanks today. It's not good. I'm, um, I thought Boyd was outstanding with his running game and his kicking, like absolutely outstanding. But Foran, holy shit, he looked good. The way he just was able to get over the advantage line, cut out passes. Uh, he he knew what he was doing before he started doing it. Like we talk about. Thinking what you're going to do and also shifting. 
um, during mid-play to adapt to the changes in the defensive line. That's exactly what he did. Um, the try to Carl Pereira with... Um, he dug deep into the defensive line, got over the advantage line, smooth uh, a little cutout ball to Kian Pereira on the wing, and boom, Pereira, Pereira's array. He played outstanding. He, he played amazing. And he also played both sides of the field. Um, Fafita had a... Like, David Fafita had a good couple of touches. He was at uh, tri-assist with Jojo. All around, I thought... Titans were really good. And I'm inclined to agree. Um, oh yeah. They they imp- the big thing. You remember what the big thing we gave to Titans last season? What was it? Their kick chase and their line speed. Holy shit! It improved. Mm-hmm. I think they. That's what Titans needed. They needed a genuine leader, a veteran of the game. Um, someone from like a big club, like Manly, or not necessarily Manly. Like they needed someone, either from the Roosters or Storm system that was a good leader. But then Foran comes in and he drastically changed it. I think um, Brimson looked good at fullback. Just, I, I was, I think that's one of the best games I've seen Foran like shine. He, he had a lot of brilliant moments over the his last stint at Manly, but it went quiet because of the way he what he did. It wasn't the f- big flashy stuff, but seeing how he played in this game, he really stuck out to me. So big ups to him. Yeah, um, I'm inclined to agree. I thought what I liked the most was how he engaged the line and how he was reading the overlaps. Uh, he was able to set up that first try, which just went fantastic. Um, on top of that, I want to say that Thunder Boyd does an amazing job at creating space for him. Um, yes. Oh my obviously, their kick chase and their line speed is real. I actually think Sam Verrills is the one who's really responsible for that. Um, Sam Verrills had one play where, and this was on the JoJo try for feeder assisted, he just screams up on Sean O'Sullivan comes comes from the middle of the field to come out of the edge and just absolutely hammers him causes the error with the kick and obviously that led to a try so his attitude towards one percenters is absolutely fantastic and it paid off for the rest of the team 100% um it looked like it rubbed off to his teammates as well. So it's great to see that the tight, the big thing that was lacking in the Titans is slowly starting to improve. Of course, this is just one trial game. We can't just say all these things go, oh, they're going to be so good this year. They need to do it consistently. Consistency yep. is key in the NRL. Um, I, so you can definitely see they've locked in their spine for round one. I do you don't move Boyd. And everyone who's talking about, oh, Boyd, Boyd is still a question mark to start. Fuck no. Not even close. He is. He looks like a clone of DCE out there. And he's just and able like to every make... Sense like, he's able to go through the line. He can make... He, he'll just... Mm. He won't just, like, pass it off to a forward or um, take the tackle. He will run and try and find a gap. He'll scatter the defensive yeah. line. DCE uh, clone. Yeah. DC, um, got the neck for it too. Yeah, and the haircut and everything. Yep, 
Boyd. Um, Boyd himself says that because of Boyd's organization, it feels like it feels similar playing to DCE. Um, and that's like he's proving it with his own play. The kicking game as well. He's got a fantastic shaped grubber, same as DCE. And he's got that just leadership ability. And even the running game. DCE, I think his running game gets underrated because he can break a team open with his running if the opportunity is there. It's very um, rarely he does it. That's the thing. I don't think so. You'd be surprised. Go check his run meter average. It's okay. more than you'd expect. Um, it's much more than you'd expect for a predominantly controlling seven. Uh, he, he's been running more than Sean Johnson in the past few seasons. Holy shit, um, okay. Now I do need to go check it. That's, wow. Yeah, he's, and that's mostly because Johnson doesn't really run anymore, but also DCE, he, he's kept at it. Uh, even watch him in Origin, it's the fact that he moves up in the line and has that running threat where he's able to set up Nanai the way he does. So, he's something people will be surprised about. I... Yeah, DCE can run, and Boyd can too. This is this is exciting footy to watch. I love this type of footy. Um, I can't wait to see Manly. I'll, I'll speak about them later on in a separate uh, thing. Um, David Fafita showed some promise. Um, I think there's still a little bit to go until he's definitely back to his good, like his prime form. Um, the four, like Tino was good. Verils, I think he'll go underrated this season. By a lot of people, uh, it will be the hookers in like the analysis and the media that will show that he's good. It won't be like, yeah, NRL 360 that will point out he's going good. Um, I, I think he'll do great things. You mentioned his one percenters, uh, the way he was just able to allow to make space for his players. It it showed the weakness of of O'Sullivan, didn't it? Only in that one particular play, though. I thought O'Sullivan had a good game. Um, on the Dolphin side of things, I think their biggest Achilles heel was that they had no urgency on their edges. Yeah. Uh, and basically, all of their tries, there's these overlaps that are being created in a lot of them. And the overlaps, they're not like a center making a bad read. There's one of them where Tessie New looks like he makes a sus read, but what happens is he's thinking about jamming in, but his winger doesn't go with him. Mm. And then suddenly New has to try and scramble back. Meanwhile, Jennings, I believe, is still on his edge. So I think New got stitched up when he actually did make a decent read initially there. Um, another one is Branko Lee's lateral speed. Um, Very sluggish. He, yeah, Phil Sami definitely exposed him at some points on one of the Lofi tries where he was just able to make that draw. He got past Branko, so it forced the winger to come in, and that is how a center creates an overlap. Which is a very skilled play for a center, by the way. Usually it's the halves who create that, not the centers. Um, something else I want to mention, Felice Kafusi was also quite sluggish. He His play, the ball looked slow. I don't have the exact numbers, but my God, it looked slow. His, his defensive deep. pressure from... Yeah, his defense just looked really sluggish. There wasn't much urgency. It's nowhere near the Felice that we'd see at Storm, and I hope he fixes it up. Uh, same with... Kenny Bromwich, he just did not look that great. He looked really sluggish. Everyone looks sluggish. Uh, Milford, people are saying he had a terrible game. I actually don't think Milford did that bad. I just think he had that kick out in the full and yeah. some not great defensive moments. The kick out in the full, even, I endorse that. At least he was trying something. 
Yeah, he gets that angle slightly better, and he's just kicked a 40-20, and we're all going, wow, Milford, he's coming back. He's playing great. So small things like that can go anyways. You know, we don't all dunk on Burton kicking it out in the full as much as he does. Um, if he keeps doing it, though, that's where your issue is. Oh, 100%. That's said. Another thing I wanted to mention for the Dolphins was it's really going to be fascinating to see what happens with the Hawks because I don't think Katoa should play. Not because Katoa isn't good enough. He did well to set up the try, but because anyone at his age, I think, should have a season playing Q-Cub, just focusing, going against grown bodies before they even think about the NRL. Don't do a Broncos and just thrust him into NRL before he's ready. Precisely. Uh, a lot of the best... You know, we talk about halves that have great first seasons. They're generally the guys that debut later. You know, DCE played... When he debuted, he was around 21, 22, wins a premiership. Uh, Thurston, he debuts when he's the year's turning 22, wins a Deliam. Uh, Hines, we obviously know how late it took him to get a starting spot. Look how well he did. Cody exact Walker. same as Cody Walker. Yep. Yep, so there is absolutely nothing wrong with all of that. Take your time with him. He... Like, people will rip on him because of, like, how, how high expectations the media have put on him. He is a great player. He is a tremendous player. Give him time. He This is, like, his first actual time playing up against Q Cup and NRL people. You need to give him time to develop like that. Uh, and I think he's under the, the right coach to allow that. I don't think Rain will be like, round five, fuck, we're going shit, put in Katoa. Rain won't do that, I don't think. Well, I'd hope not. He's smarter than that. I hope he doesn't, at the very least. He's, like, you really can just, like, it's not a year where the Dolphins have to win or bust, they just have to develop. Yeah. Something else I want to speak on is that a Hammer did not really do that well, to be honest. No. Uh, he did okay in terms of taking carries when he could. But it felt like it had to be a specific situation for him to be able to inject himself in the game. Compare that to some other fullbacks of young fullbacks who have moved clubs recently. Like we talk about we Reese Walsh. He didn't get to play for the Broncos, but he was a guy that it didn't matter whether you were giving him ball or not. He just kind of found a way to do it anyways. Yeah. Um Which, Well, with that, let's move on to Cowboys versus Broncos, shall we? Yeah. Um I think the obvious thing about this game is the kick diffusal of Cowboys. They it wasn't good defending the kicks, diffusing them. They were pretty, pretty bad. Uh, they got found out a couple times. Um, well, it, not just a couple times. Every single try from the Broncos was scored off a kick. And with that, the kicking game of the Broncos was really good. Jock Madden did some really good kicks. I thought um, the one he put in the corner for uh, against felt. Uh, Maitoa Lungi, I think it was. Yeah. Um, of course, Felt got found out a couple of times. Caperell and Oates kind of found him out on the kicks. Going into the next training session, that's one thing they're going to mention, I think. Uh, one thing that you'll be seeing. Trying to practice uh, Thursday morning, if you can make it down. That's when they train. So go and watch it. Get, get some knowledge for me. <laughs> um... Although, holding the ball was also an issue at times, I thought. They weren't able to complete sets. Like, they just knocked it on or they just lose it. Uh, Griffin Neem, he made a, uh, a line break and he just lost it. Um, 
I thought Hess, you, you can definitely see that the Cowboys now, their depth is an issue. Uh, second row and hooker. That's the two main priorities going into this. Um, I'll agree. Um, you go first. You, you're the Cowboys fan on this body. I agree. Uh, something I want to say is that there were actually a fair decent amount of players that did step up. I thought that Jordan McLean had a fantastic game and showed that he's definitely ready to go another season and play some great footy. Uh, Ruben Cotter, he took a lot of carries. 16 runs for 157 metres. Um, which is, you know, that, that's a workhorse right there. Uh, even Griffin Neem, who came on, 11 runs for 107. But James Tamo, now he had one of the worst strings of play that I'd seen for a few plays, um, where he just gave away a penalty, then a six again, then he dropped the ball. So it was it was just horrifying with the play of the ball. He got up too quick. Uh, 21 tackles and four misses. But weirdly enough, uh, eight runs for 96 metres. So he's averaging more than 10 metres per run, which is not something I expected. Um, Mari Talangi, 150 metre, 153 metres off 11 runs. Despite having his problems with kick defusals, and Mari Talangi did look like he came in underdone, he was still an absolute beast, and he was taking some of the hardest carries I've ever seen him take out of the back end, which is fantastic. Dearden, he looked really good. He kind he of pulled the pants so down. He, yeah, he... He pulled Katoni Stag's pants down for that Holmes try, but he also threw it directly to Stag's at one point. Where if he didn't drop the intercept, he, he probably would have given away a length of the field try. Yeah. Um, other than that, Scott Drinkwater showed that he's worth his way. Oh, yeah, that weird... try to Felty was amazing. That was so smart. I love seeing that. Yeah, well, he was just. He constantly thinks on his feet, and he just oozes so much confidence. And on top of that, it was the fact that he was able to do that at a crucial point of the game. Um, I thought Townsend looked like he was overthinking things at times. Yeah. But obviously, he had that 40-20, which I'm pretty happy with, and he still did the bulk of the kicking. I think maybe... Because the Broncos, they jammed a lot, which meant that something I'm happy with Townsend is he didn't throw it to his second receiver when he saw the jam he knew that he had to try and come up with something else. Yeah. And I'm glad with that. Um, Cohen Hess, his kick pressure and 1% is absolutely outstanding. Exact same for Jeremiah and I. I will say, as much as I have doubts about the lateral speed of Cohen Hess, a second row pairing of him and Nanai to start before Lukey gets back. Um, even when Lukey gets back, if we play Lukey on the bench with Hess in second row, I'm okay with that just because both of them compete so hard for everything. Uh, I, Nanai's kick pace was fantastic. His kick pressure was fantastic. I think he can be a little bit better on the kick pressure. Not, like, outstanding the way he... Um, the way, the, how much pressure he put on. Just the way he finishes it off. Uh, of course, there's that Jock Madden incident. Yeah. He can't do that in a, in, a regular ga- in a regular season game. It could prove costly due to suspension. They could do something. Like, the NRL will do, like... Um, We'll do that something. was timed fine. I'm okay with that. He needs to hold him up, though. That's the issue. Uh. Um, there's been a lot of penalties given away for a late tackle because of that stuff. Um, we've seen it a lot in the past couple of seasons, and it's something that um, 
I myself, uh, that my team in particular has tried to improve on is when you put pressure on the kicker, if you're going to hit him, make sure he stays up so then it's not counted as a late tackle. Um, especially with the current second row depth the Cowboys currently have, it, it, it could prove costly if Hess could get us, if any second row got a suspension. Uh, if it comes to it, Jake Granville may have to start in the second row. Um, that's I just my opinion. He's going to play second row, whether we like it or not, at one point or another. We already saw him playing there yeah. in the trials. We already saw him playing there last year. So it'll it'll happen. Uh, yeah, it definitely will. Uh, while Granville, he's not he's no longer at the peak of his career. He is a great utility. Um, he won't play. I don't. I don't. Well, do you reckon he'll play hooker? I don't think he will. Reese Robson's eighty minutes. He'll play it. I think as Robson works back into his match business. Yeah. But uh, don't be surprised to see Robson playing eighty more often in the back end of the season. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, however, looking at the positives, as you as you like to be optimistic about some stuff. Um, if not. Only if you're a Cowboys fan and not a Raiders fan, though. Um, the attack... Cowboys are starting in a better place than they did last season. Their attack was not there. Um, you can definitely see that against the Doggies. Cowboys have a better attack to start the season. Their spine currently is... Mwah, chef kiss. They are in a good position. With their attack. Yeah. And also... Ezra Man. Quick shout out to Ezra Mame. He had an insane game. Uh, he was just, he looked dangerous every time he touched the ball. His kicking was on points. His playmaking was on points. He just had, that's the best I've ever seen Ezra Mame play at an NRL level, basically. So there's no shame if you're losing to that. Uh, Cobo, lots of people will compare Cobo to Latrell Mitchell or um, Greg Inglis, but I actually think the correct comparison in terms of his fullback play is Justin Hodges um, he can support he's a dangerous ball runner but the actual fullback fundamentals aren't really there and he can get gassed towards the back end of games yeah he definitely can uh, fitness is a big thing for him um, I think that's why he's a better winger don't you agree uh, that's why Kevin kind of shifted him um, on Mam, he's a really good player Great attacking player. His defense improved, I it thought. Did. That was the main thing um, going into the season. He makes better first contact. Oh, there's that video of him cutting David Fafita in half. I actually think Fafita was stitched up uh, because McIntyre was playing dummy half that game. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> he doesn't pass off the floor. He kind of deadlifts the ball before he passes it. So that means that McIntyre looks at Fafita and then deadlifts the ball and then throws it. Uh, that's plenty of time for Ezra Mam to make that read. And, you know, technique is going to win over size, especially if you get an early read on what's happening. 100%. Also, like to mention with Ezra, um, he had five tackle breaks, uh, 96 run meters, uh, one try assist. So great stuff to him. Majority of kicking, I believe it was on Madden. Um, I'm looking at it now. Oh, no, it was pretty... It was actually the same, according to the NRL app. 108 each. Don't know if that's correct, though. It was pretty balanced. Uh, Mam just 
I thought he cased well. I thought he did everything he could well. Hmm. Uh, as Reynolds might take a bit more of a backseat in the attack this year just to allow Mam to step up more, really, which is going to be pretty good. Yep. Uh, Moza, I thought Moza looked fantastic towards the end of the game. Uh, he looked like a seasoned pro out there. However, I still don't think he should play NRL this year unless it's at the very, very back of the season. I was um, just about to ask that. Because, yeah, once again, I, I say this about halves, but I especially mean it about hookers uh, in terms of needing time to develop in Queensland Cup to let the body go against. Because it's yeah. all good and well for him to look good in that first game. But as Mozart, because he's going to be defending in the middle, right? Now that means that one week he might be going up against a guy like Isaiah Yo or James Fisher-Harris. The next week he'd be going up against a guy like Jason Tamalolo, which obviously that's the first ever time that Mo. Moza plays NRL, and it's just Tamalolo tackling and pushing him afterwards. Um, very frightening. And then the next week, you might have someone like Junior Barlow running at you, and imagine that for like 27 weeks in a row, or whatever it is. It's not going to be fun. Your body's yeah, going to be stuffed. Especially at his age, and you can see that he is a fairly lanky guy. Yeah. Um, and for him to be in the middle taking that, because hookers, they're usually the ones making the most tackles. So that's why I think he should be playing Queensland Cup to let his body develop more, let him put on some weight because he absolutely has the skills. I understand, yeah. I just don't think he has the physical rigor to last a full NRL season given the caliber of the players that he needs to tackle at least like 90% of the time. 95% for a hooker, really. 100%. I'll tell you, I'll tell you who is NRL like level and he is outstanding that's Paddy Cowgan he is the definition of one percenters he is my favorite Broncos player I thought he was tremendous again um really a genuine leader in that forward pack for Broncos yeah well they had Payne Asu I don't think he played to the best of his abilities in that game but for someone like Haas who was you know going back just two seasons ago he was undoubtedly the best prop in the NRL and now they've got Paddy Carrigan stepping up being the best lock which is also fantastic news for Queensland to see him getting in this form he is an absolute gun like it was ridiculous the value that he was providing up the middle the Cowboys forwards I thought they had a pretty good game but the reason it was able to be so balanced was because Carrigan kept marching them forward and getting them into great field position and that's what let them score the tries off kicks you don't score tries off kicks if you don't have one, a guy who can kick, and two, forwards who can put you in the position to do that. You mention it all the time how important the forward pack is. Uh, it's why Canberra lost the game on, on top of mentality. Absolutely love seeing Paddy Hagen play. He is an origin representative, uh, now Australian. He, he will captain the club. He will captain Queensland if given if he had given the opportunity, he will captain Queensland. He'll captain yeah. Broncos. He's gonna well, be a Bronco think, for life. Th- think about it like this. Queensland now have guys like Gilbert and Carrigan and Dearden being the guys who can set the tone for their team. How good is that? It's like we talk about Queenslander spirit. They live and breathe it. They live in Bridget in Clubland. Exactly. And you you throw in the dynamite to the mix, 
you know, the insanely talented players we're going to have playing alongside them, like Holmes, Cobo, uh, Reese Walsh looks like he's going to be in the next few years, especially if he plays anything like he's done in trials. Um, because, put simply, that's the best footy that I've seen Reese Walsh play in that first game. I've went from doubting the Broncos signing him for a bit to being incredibly, incredibly excited for round one. Or well, not round one, but as soon as he returns. It's going to be pretty fucking hectic this year. It We stepped it up a notch with competitive, being competitive last year, you know, the most competitive we've seen for the first five weeks. It's going to go up to another level. It's going to be it's huge. It's an exciting season. It's an exciting, exciting, exciting season because there's so much new stuff happening. You know, we see Walsh at his new club. We see Hammer at his new club. There's so many people moving to new clubs and it completely shifts the dynamic of the league, especially when you see the teams it's happening to. Revival- the teams being revitalized by new coaches, new players, um, teams yep. who may fall. Um, it's going to be interesting. You do not want to miss a single thing. It'll be amazing, and I genuinely can't wait. Well, with that, what do we love, Jacob? We love our footy. That's right, and we will see you all next week.